ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 334th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to, my, to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is my pick of last week for appointment viewing, which was the Steelers-Jaguars game yesterday. I was at a Steelers viewing party up here in Boston, and it was simply an amazing win for the Steelers over the Jaguars, and tremendous comeback. The Jaguars had simply dominated the game in every way, shape, and form for three quarters, and then to have the Steelers storm back in the fourth quarter just seemed to come out of nowhere. And the the key, I think, was that the Jaguars, in their dominance, had only run up a 16-0 lead, and it was 9-0 at halftime when they had lots of chances for touchdowns but were held to field goals. So when you factor in uh, the way the Jaguars beat the Steelers last year twice at Heinz Field, the regular season game, then Roethlisberger threw five interceptions, his worst day ever. And then, shockingly, in the playoffs, the Jags went up to Heinz Field and did it again. Beat the Steelers on their home turf. And so the Steelers had a serious uh, payback motive. And they got it done yesterday. But it wasn't easy. Uh, A lot of trash talking. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger acknowledged it after the game. Talking about a quote number 50. Uh, coming up and reminding him of interceptions. He threw three yesterday. And we all know what Jalen Ramsey had to say about Ben in the offseason. Not very complimentary. So really a whole lot going on between these two teams over the course of the past year. And uh, for the Steelers to come up with a gut check game like that yesterday was really impressive Um, it was just a great great game I mean the Steelers again they they were just dead in the water it appeared and then uh, some of the plays were pretty strange needless to say the uh, thing that got the Steelers off the mat the long 78 yard pass to Antonio Brown he was running wide open yet there was a, a Steeler and a Jaguar got entangled a little off to the right, there was a penalty called, uh, which really didn't affect the play. A penalty against the Jaguars, so the Steelers, of course, got a touchdown. 
And then uh, that final drive was crazy with the, for the Steelers, the winning drive uh, with uh, the face mask holding in the end zone when it looked like the Jags had another pick to put the game away. Ben's uh, rollout and then diving across the goal line to score, just getting there, the way they saved the timeout, the way they quite frankly didn't, kept lining up in the shotgun, thereby seemingly negating uh, Ben for a potential quarterback sneak. Uh, and at least where I was with lots of, a whole lot of Steeler fans, everybody was screaming for them to run the ball in the end. They obviously not only didn't do that, but as I said, lined up in the shotgun, thereby making that uh, uh, trickier. Uh, they could have given the ball to James Conner. And oh, by the way, James Conner dropped that Sure, touchdown pass where he would have walked into the end zone a few play, plays before. Uh, ben scored the game winner. So just a spectacular game all around. Uh, what an ending. And really, in my mind, the game of the day with gigantic implications, uh, mainly that the Jacksonville Jaguars, who... We're in the AFC Championship game that I was at last year up here in Foxborough. Uh, and they took the Patriots right to the brink before losing. Uh, I think they're basically done for the year. Uh, their demise has just been shocking, given how good they played last year. They seem to be the up-and-coming team. Started off fast. Let's not forget they beat up the Patriots pretty good down there in September in Jacksonville. And at that point, uh, they were looking like uh, the next big thing. And then they've imploded. Uh, all kinds of reports about locker room discord and whatnot. So uh, the Steelers, appropriately, given what's gone on the past year, uh, may have driven the stake through the Jaguars' coffin, ending, basically ending their season as a potential playoff team. But it was another, again, great, great NFL Sunday, as always. Uh, my bizarre story of the week is simply how the Saints just pummeled the Eagles, defending world champion Eagles. Uh, I thought for sure it would be like, quote, the Eagles' last stand. It wasn't. It was anything but. Uh, the Saints are clearly uh, looking like the best team in the league, despite tonight's game of the year between the Rams and the Chiefs, which are all all of us can't wait for. Um, but Drew Brees has only thrown one interception this year. They've scored over 40 points with regularity, it seems. It's almost the norm. And... Uh, Breeze, especially, is having a season for the ages. Certainly, it's between him and Patrick Mahomes, it would seem, for the MVP race right now. And uh, as for the Eagles, you know, are they done? Uh, they have the toughest schedule in the league going forward. And they were showing a lot of emotions on the side sideline yesterday with both Carson Wentz and Malcolm Jenkins slamming their helmets into the ground. Uh, it was just an embarrassing day for the Eagles. I mean, the the, the 
<clears throat> the Saints literally looked like they didn't know what to do as far as like not trying to run up the score, but basically being in a position to score there in the fourth quarter pretty much any time they wanted. So it was, uh, shall we say, rather awkward for everyone <laughs> involved in Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, showed his... Uh, Showed his feelings uh, at one point in the game with the uh, to, to Sean Payton. So he, uh, the Saints just on an absolute roll, uh, to put it mildly. But there were other great games uh, yesterday. But my low light of the week was Alex Smith breaking his leg in two places. Uh, requiring emergency surgery and eerily enough happening on the very day, the 33 years to the day when Joe Theismann uh, had his leg horribly broken uh, when tackled by Lawrence Taylor. And uh, Theismann even was at the game in Washington. He tweeted out uh, that Looked like what happened to him 33 years earlier to the day, incredibly. Um, so Washington was in first place, having really uh, better than expected year, largely due to the steady play of Alex Smith. That's what he's known for. That's what he's done. Uh, but his season is obviously over, and now it's on to, to Colt McCoy. But the winner of the game was the Texans. They're on an absolute roll. They've won a bunch in a row. Uh, they started 0-3, and, and now I believe they're 7-3, seven, seven in a row. And they're just looking great. And uh, so hats off to them. They've just been playing wonderfully. And other games of note yesterday, Andrew Luck, uh, looking back to his old form, just lighting it up. Another three touchdowns, doing that with regularity these days, throwing three TDs in a game. Um, so good to see, good to see, needless to say, Dallas Cowboys, uh, win on the last second field goal in Atlanta. So suddenly they're back and lo and behold, who do they play this Thanksgiving day on Thursday, but the Redskins now without Alex Smith. So that should be interesting. The, uh, Broncos surprised the chargers. Uh, the chargers had been on an absolute roll themselves, uh, but the Broncos pulled one out down in L.A., surprisingly. So uh, uh, that was a bit of a shocker. And the Raiders, uh, they got off the schneid and beat the Arizona Cardinals uh, also late. And then to wrap it all up last night, uh, the Chicago Bears. Time to talk, start taking them seriously for sure. And uh, they just look great in handling the the Vikings in Soldier Field. And it's great to see how they're doing it on defense. That's when you think of the Bears, I think you think of defense. And Khalil Mack, another big game. Uh, Akeem Nix, huge game. Pick six in the second half for a touchdown. Just, uh, they're just looking dominant. But most importantly, I think just uh, Mitchell Trubitsky is just, really coming into his own. He is a great runner and uh, turning into a great decision maker and just uh, running that offense. Coach Matt Nagy has confidence in him. 
And as I like to say, I think the, it's a better league when a team like the Bears are uh, relevant again, and they are more than relevant right now. So it's going to be fun to watch them, and they won't, it won't be long because they're playing uh, at Detroit in the annual Thanksgiving Detroit game. So uh, I believe noon Eastern time this Thursday. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And we'll be talking college football as always, so don't go anywhere. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, John, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on this show. Well, thank you, as always, for calling in. And I, and I think much of the nation, was shocked when I looked up to uh, see the score of the Alabama Citadel game. <laughs> was it 10-10 at halftime? Do I have that right? 10-10. to 10, I think they hit the field goal right as the clock struck zero. Wow. Amazing. That was just, uh, you know, given all the chatter about holding out to a, 
you know, with you know, for his injury status and his his knee, uh, which was a clear disrespect of Citadel, as Nick Saban so eloquently stated. Uh, and then to have it turn out to be ten ten at halftime, I think that was just. Uh, uh, I'm guessing Nick, it made Nick Sab- Saban almost happy. Almost. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> he had something to rave about to his team at halftime. And, John, who would have thought that it would take an FCS team to give Alabama a little bit of competition the last three weeks? Correct. You never know. And uh, I, I myself, although I was surprised, if not shocked, like anyone in the same light, uh, a couple years ago, I was down in Charleston, South Carolina, and toured the Citadel campus, which is a whole lot like West Point, Annapolis. And, uh, you, you know, knowing uh, that it's a military school, uh, and, and of course yeah. the discipline and whatnot that comes with that, uh, it didn't completely and totally shock me, because, uh, again, I know discipline is at their core, and I also know that you know they, they've had a couple big wins so in the past couple of years. I think they gave South Carolina, obviously their arch rival, the Gamecocks, uh, a game uh, a couple of years back, and I think they've won one or two, uh, you know, games over FBS schools, if I'm not mistaken, in recent years. Oh, John, I remember a time where they beat Arkansas the first game, right? And they fired the coach. They fired the coach after that game. And Arkansas did or Citadel did? Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas right. fired their coach because they lost to the Citadel the very first game. I think it was Jack Crow in those days, if I, re- wow. if I remember. And they beat South Carolina, I think it was 2015, maybe. Okay. Yeah, like uh, I, I wasn't sure if they beat him. I knew they gave him all they could handle. But yeah, they beat him. And it was like epic. Yeah, absolutely. And all I ever knew about the Citadel was that Al Davis coached there, and one of his prime students was Paul McGuire. Wow. That's fascinating. Yes, they have a, they're a school. The campus is unbelievable, and this football stadium is just terrific. Needless to say, I stopped in there, and, uh, you know, I, I would say this about any military school, Army, Navy, Air Force, and, of course, including the Citadel, that, you know, you always need to be a little wary with those teams because, you know, you do have what can often be the most inherent issue for any team in any sport, which is just simply, you know, discipline and uh, no quit, shall we say. And you just know that all the military schools are bringing that to the table. And every now and again, uh, they rise up and, and kind of shock the world uh, as Army almost did a mere month or two ago uh, when they almost beat Oklahoma out in Norman. So, you know, anytime, anywhere, these schools, in my mind, are always capable of uh, doing something special. Yeah, it's very inspiring to watch these teams play. They're undermanned. There's no question. There's not one player on that team that could start for Alabama or recruited by Alabama. And But they're so disciplined when they have their splits. They're wide when they're running that triple option. They use the cut block, which... Nick Saban noted during the press conference he does not care for that style of blocking, although it's not illegal. It just does um, put you at risk for your defensive linemen and also the rest of your defensive players, that style. So he was not happy um, to, to play this team, really. 
but they gave them quite a game, 10 to 10 at the halftime, and they kept the ball, John, the first drive, almost eight minutes. The Citadel did. The the Citadel, almost eight minutes. So Alabama's offense couldn't do anything, obviously. So that's one way to to slow down Tua. Always. uh, You know, so they ended up scoring 17 points, and they had a couple runs on the edge where Alabama was not disciplined. And guarding the pitch man, went down the sideline, 45 yards for the first touchdown, I believe. Um, and, and that caused a problem. But, you know, the players from Alabama, hopefully they learned a lesson. You, you have an assignment. You must carry it out at all times. It just takes one play where you lapse, and it's a touchdown for the other team. But, John, when we're talking about military schools, do you know anyone with a degree in peace, war, and diplomacy? <laughs> not the side of Winston Churchill <laughs> um, right absolutely so the coach from um, the Citadel Brent Thompson graduated from Norwich University you're probably familiar with that private oh, school in, in Vermont I've been and there you've been <laughs> I know there, Norwich okay. well and other military schools for sure Yeah. so he brought that background to the Citadel program wow I love that story. I did not know that. And again, uh, only a couple years ago, uh, uh, I worked for Military History Magazine and was invited up to an event at, uh, at Norwich University, and it was awesome. And again, you walk on the campuses of any of these places, and you see them in their military garb, college students, you know, early 20s, obviously, late teens. And it's just instantly inspiring, period, and gets better as the day goes on. And you you meet them and you encounter these students and just frankly see where their heads are at. Uh, their heads are in a different place than a lot of a lot of people their age, shall we say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, fun to be around them. Uh, they're very different from yep, most different. of their, their peers. And yep. as, you, as you can see... They can overcome quite a few obstacles. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, uh, not to be negative in any way on Alabama, but, you know, when I saw the score, I loved it. And, again, I'm guessing I'm not alone, and I'm guessing (laughs) Nick Saban in his heart of hearts did too because not only does it kind of vindicate and justify, I should say, Saban's comments of last week being, frankly, incredulous, that he was getting questions from the media about not starting to, uh, clearly because they were playing the Citadel, an FCS school. Uh, but, you, you know, what better thing to happen than, you, you know, just get a little reality check, a wake-up call, if you will. Uh, you know, the week before the Auburn game, a couple weeks before the SEC championship game, and heading towards uh, what will be the inevitable college football playoff and, it's just made to order for Nick Saban as a coach, as you basically alluded to at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, it's a great thing for him. But in these next two games, John, I tell everybody, if you have to motivate Alabama to play their rival, Auburn, or to play against the SEC Eastern Division champion, Georgia, you probably recruited the wrong player. Correct. You don't need that extra motivation. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt. No, it but doesn't, it doesn't hurt. hurt. It got, yeah, and it got their attention too. That you know we, you know we have to show up. We have to compete. We have to uh, carry out our responsibilities. Yeah, and I think Nick Saban would be the first to say, as would any coach, that 
you know, you wouldn't want to go into uh, what they got ahead of them, i.e. Auburn SEC championship, without having, you know, played in something of a competitive environment for at least a half. And they finally got that on Saturday. And really, for all intents and purposes, it's kind of the first time all year. <laughs> I, I believe you can, you, you, you're always there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's where you felt that Alabama had to show up for the second half and perform because the other team was right at their heels. So, oh yeah, it was yeah, it was a great moment, uh, and and it's I bet it's pretty humbling for an FCS school to be tied with Alabama at halftime, and you're going to have to listen to your coach Nick Saban uh, address you. Correct, correct, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm sure it was again the best opportunity he's had all year to send certain messages to them about what can happen in any game. Um, so, again, from his point of view, he probably just loved it. And, again, not to, you know, and, and as an add-on, it, it justified his comments from last week uh, about, you know, playing Tua against any team, you know, period. That's just end of discussion. So, uh Good for them. So here we are, at AP, and what I'm sure is very special down there, uh, which is Alabama Auburn week, right? A week like no other. Iron Bowl week, and it's upon us now. And this is the game they talk about every day of the year. John, someone will mention this game, you know, in passing, like Gene Stallings who gave the greatest description of Alabama Auburn football game, saying that you know they might say something. He went to Texas A&M. And, he, of course, right. he played the rival Texas, and he said, you know, we talk about the game two, three weeks after, but at Alabama, it could be March the 2nd, April the 15th, May the 23rd, July the 2nd. Somebody is mentioning the Alabama-Auburn game. That was the best description I've heard of that rivalry it was by Gene Stallings. Wow. It's perfect. It's perfect. Again, I, I kind of grew up with it in regards to the Pitt-Penn State game. In the 70s and 80s, which was uh, equally relevant on the national scene in those days. And there's no question in my mind, AP, that it's the best rivalry in college right now and has been for the last number of years. You go back to the kick six, you go back to Cam Newton, you go back to, you know, not to be Auburn centric, but, you know, and then obviously the great Alabama victories as well. Uh it's it's a great rivalry when both teams get their fair share of wins. But more, most importantly, seemingly every year for the last, you know, certainly in recent years and far beyond, it's, you know, it's determining the national championship chase. Oh, yeah, John, I, I would say that for all intents and purposes, that since Coach Bryant retired, it's kind of been equal. I have to check the exact number, but it's, it's fairly even. Right, yeah. I wouldn't be since, surprised. Uh, yeah, since the beginning of the 83 season, that was after Coach Bryant retired, 83 season. So I'm going to look that number up and just check that out. But it's been, like you say, a true rivalry. Teams winning, teams losing, uh, teams being upset. Uh, that's what makes the best rivalry when you have that, that balance of uh, wins and losses and upsets and and even big victories, yeah. Absolutely. No doubt about it. 
Well, we're actually near our break here, so why don't we take our break? You can look up that figure and uh, still have a lot to, lot to get to, and we'll do so on the other side. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move well, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. 
And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we're on to college football. We were just talking about number one Alabama uh, beating Citadel, but uh, not without a bit of a tussle. It was 10-10 at halftime, but uh, not surprisingly, the Crimson Tide emerged and took care of business, so... Still number one and heading into Auburn week with uh, the SEC championship against Georgia looming a week later. Hard to believe we're nearing the end of the season, huh? Football flies, John. I mean, it, I know it's, it does. Uh, you know, that's the way it happens. When you start the season, people always are asking me, can I wait for football? Can, I, can, I, can you wait for a college football season to begin? And I always say, yes, I can, because I don't want to wish my life away. Exactly. Well said. And, you know, uh, AP, hard to believe, 13 days from now, they'll be announcing the college football playoff, right? Absolutely. December 2nd on that Sunday, after the championships have been played for the various leagues. And I think there's only one game left after that regular season. It's the Army-Navy the following Saturday, I think. Right. December 8th, exactly, as always. So uh, they, they, they have the, the stage to themselves, and deservedly so. Absolutely. Uh, so, yes. Um, so, yeah, we were just talking Alabama-Auburn um, and the rivalry that they've had in recent years. Just in, in, incredible. Clearly the best rivalry uh, in college football these days. I, I think so, John, and I was just – trying to check the facts quickly i believe since coach bryant retired so 83 was the first game i think auburn is one game ahead 18 to 17 wow that's it that's a bit surprising yeah um well so crimson tide have even more reason to go for it this saturday not to mention they're under keep their maintain their undefeated record and have an absolute lock I would say, heading into the uh, SEC championship game, win or lose, by the way. Um, so, wow, that, that's a bit of a shocker. That's a good trivia question. I'm guessing not a lot of people would know that uh, off the top of their head. Yeah, they probably um, would think it was more in Alabama's favor, but Auburn has sure, I, I did all this time. Yeah, they've competed quite well and had some you know great teams through the years, these last 35-plus years. And last season, you know, Jarrett Stedham, he was the best player on the field. You know, he just ate up Alabama with those passes over the middle. Alabama got a little bit stubborn. They blitzed quite a few people, especially from the linebacker position. He threw across the middle to Ryan Davis quite a bit. And I think he had, he was 28 of, 21 of 28, I think, for 237 yards and even ran for a touchdown. I think it was about 15 or 16 yards. And they just beat Alabama. Alabama's offense that day was uh, not very good, let's say. And um, they should have put two in that game. Right, right. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, Again, you know, no matter what, the standings, the records, any of it, when those two teams meet, you really, really, really don't know uh, who's going to win, no matter what the situation and what the record so that's why we'll be watching on saturday for sure uh what time is the game on saturday ap oh, is that's it a two, three, that's three thir- 230 central 230 central 330 eastern uh cbs 
the main game, I guess. And Alabama right now, I think John's a 24-point favorite, which wow, I'll have to check hard. that. I can't recall them being a 24-point favorite against Auburn. I really have to research that information for sure. Exactly. Yes, that shocks me, just given the rivalry itself, as you just mentioned. Um, well, you know, we also had it, uh, speaking of the uh, the top 10, what have you, and top teams, uh, Central Florida. We spent some time talking about them last week. They're going to have their day in the sun, which they did on Saturday. By that, I mean college game day was there. Uh, it was practically a three-hour infomercial for Central Florida, and they deserve it. And then they went out and played great against a good, good Cincinnati team in the American Conference. They won 38-13. to And most importantly, they have cracked the top 10, at least in the uh, Football Writers Association poll. They are now number nine. They passed Ohio State. I think that's a bit of a moral victory in itself <laughs> when you suddenly pass a team uh, like Ohio State. And uh, <laughs> so here they are. Uh, I did talk a little bit about, you know, their uh, uh, the size of their student body, which, you know, but college game day right off the bat got the figure right, which basically I had right. Uh, just so everybody knows, the largest undergraduate student population of any college in America with 68,000 students. Oh That's just a staggering number. It's the one I said last week, and it was verified and confirmed uh, with College Game Day saying it pretty much early in the show on Saturday morning. And uh, also learned that, you, you know, being familiar with Orlando, that and I talked about how it's like a section of town, like a massive section of town. And <clears throat> it was interesting in that all the college game day people, including Lee Corso, who lives in Orlando, yeah. said, you know, it, it's it's well known. And I should have known this, but I didn't. I learned, learned something that it's East Orlando. They get a whole quadrant, shall we say, to themselves, which it, <clears throat> which I loved because that that justifies exactly what I saw was as you drive 10, 15 minutes out on, uh, I think, 408 out of Orlando downtown, and you are entering clearly what is like an entire section of town. It would almost be like driving from Manhattan to the Bronx, to Brooklyn. You just know you're not like uh, in downtown Orlando anymore, but more in its own section. So, yeah, East Orlando, AP, there you have it. For your next visit, you'll know how to refer to it, right? East Orlando. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool and, and and appropriate based on the sheer size of the campus, which is, again, last week I consistently referred to it as just, you know, its own, seemingly like its own city, separate from Orlando. But East Orlando, there we have it. Uh, AP, you know, I, I can't help but wonder now that they've cracked the top ten if, you know, and knowing some of these teams are going to be playing each other here, uh, teams ahead of them or playing tough games between, you know, end-of-season rivalries and championship days. And, oh, by the way, South Florida, UCF has their own uh, tough game playing South Florida, their 
arch arch rival uh, in Tampa, as in South Florida's home field at the Buck Stadium, Raymond James, at noon this Friday, not Saturday, Friday, so uh, mm-hmm. day after Thanksgiving. So, you know, they're going to have their hands full. That We talked Auburn, Alabama, and rivalries. So, uh, UCF, South Florida is one of them. They played some great games in recent years, needless to say, terrific games. And uh, But anyway, if UCF wins, and then they're already set, like, uh, you know, have already been notified by the American Conference that the championship game for the American on December 1st will be at... Uh, Central Florida's home field, Spectrum Field, on campus there in East Orlando. And uh, anyway, point is, if enough teams lose in front of them, and they keep winning, would there ever be a possibility of, you know, what, what would the playoff committee do? They, they somehow, you know, just kept winning and snuck into the number four spot. Wouldn't that just be amazing? And would they actually give them, you know, the invitation? John, they're eligible, so right, they're right. You know, what they, they, you know, right. What rule number one. Perform. You know, rule number one. They're eligible, and they keep they winning. Eligible. And you saw what happened to West Virginia. Now, yep, West Virginia hosts Oklahoma. I think is it Friday that game, possibly. I think it's noon on Saturday. Let me double check mm-hmm. here. Okay. Well, anyway, oh no, you're, no, you're absolutely right. Eight p.m. Friday. Oh boy. Okay. So we're going to get some answers on Friday, let alone Saturday. Um, yeah, so something happens down in Morgantown. We don't know what Ohio State and Michigan will do. Fair. And then they have to play a championship game against Northwestern. You know Northwestern, they're going to throw everything in their offensive arsenal to beat either team. There's a possibility for the Big Ten to go awry with the Playoff, chance, playoff uh, possibilities. So uh, anything could happen. Yeah, just a quick glance here. You know, I'm looking, obviously, Alabama number one, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. Michigan plays Ohio State, who's now number 10. So if Michigan loses, Georgia's at number five. See what happens with them. Uh, and then we already know they might... They could easily, obviously, lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Oklahoma, number six, they're playing West Virginia, I believe, in Morgantown. Uh, Indeed, in Morgantown. That's not going to be easy. I used to go to games in Morgantown. I covered the team back in the day. And then we have, uh, uh, that's it, Washington State and LSU, seven and eight above UCF okay. at nine. Oh. So Washington State has a rivalry game against, I believe, Washington. Yes. I mean, that's Excellent. Friday. Excellent team. That's Friday. And, yeah, Washington at Washington State this year. And then LSU. Uh, LSU, well, right off the bat, LSU has at least two losses. We know that, right? Yes, we know they have the two losses. I think do they play A&M maybe that, that rivalry think, weekend. Um. Scrolling down, see if I can find it. Possibly A&M. Yes. At, at Texas A&M, Saturday well, night. So, I mean, it, the So there's a scenario. Is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that could happen. And then the committee, they'd have to stare down Central Florida and tell them, well, you, you did everything you could uh, with your schedule, but you're still not invited. 
AP, I think there'd be a near revolution if I've learned one thing. Uh, I think everybody at this point has kind of a soft spot in their heart for UCF. I really genuinely believe that. Absolutely. I think, I think we've kind of all seen enough over the course of two years, uh, most notably when they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl last year, where I think everybody's just at a point now with saying like, hmm, you know, give them a chance. Let's see what they can do. And if they somehow, some way, all the dominoes fall in their favor and they are somehow literally ranked and or believed to be the fourth best team in the country, or, you know, ranked that way at least, I, I think the college football playoff committee would be making a massive mistake not to give it to them. I really think they become kind of the darlings of the college football world and everybody is now just genuinely curious, like, hmm. What can they do, given what they did to Auburn last year? Can they do Can they do it? So, AP, we're up against our break, but uh, do you agree? Do you agree that they're like uh, the, the, the curiosity and just yeah. everybody loves an underdog? A, yeah, everybody loves them, an underdog. Yeah, I would give them a chance because, I mean, they're not supposed to look back at history. They're supposed to look at their current schedule and what they've accomplished. Right. But subconsciously in your mind, you're saying, look, this team beat Auburn who beat Alabama and Georgia. I know that's not a transitory property that you're trying to apply, but I believe that Central Florida would be a, a representative as anybody at that point because, you know, that's Ohio State with a couple losses and Michigan with a couple losses. And, uh, you know, they struggled against, let's say, Indiana. Michigan did in Ohio State. My goodness, against Maryland. That was oh, my gosh. A, that was unbelievable how they came back and won. And so, Correct. you know, who's to say Central Florida couldn't beat any of those teams on a neutral site? Totally agree. And, of course, if that ever happened, obviously the best they would ever get would be number four. So right off the bat, you'd have ostensibly the semifinal with UCF playing Alabama, and we would all get our answer yeah, <laughs> right yeah, down here's there. A no- here's a little <laughs> known fact for you. As far as I know, Alabama and Central Florida played once. Guess who won the game? Uh, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it was 40 to 39 on homecoming in Tuscaloosa in Central Florida 1. What year? Uh, around 2000, two, around 2099. Wow. Yeah. Gee whiz, that's fascinating. Well, on that note, I can't add anything more other than that. Uh, on that note... Why don't we take our final break? Still have a few more things to get to on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution, we're on a big game conquest for moose, grizzlies, whitetails, and more. Tune in as Stan Potts of North American Whitetail and Tim Brent with Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures talk big game hunting. Plus, Jake Edson of Bushnell and Steve Nessel from Yamaha will discuss optics and off-roading. Jim and Trav's Big Game Conquest is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, with all due respect to Alabama, Auburn, and all the other fabulous college games coming up this weekend, but it really has to be the Rams and the Chiefs tonight. Uh along with the Saints, easily the three best teams in football all year long. Uh, The Rams and the Chiefs, it's just a game everybody's uh, dying to see. You know, I think that uh, it's probably going to break Monday night football ratings. I wouldn't be shocked at all if it's the highest rated Monday night game ever. We shall see. I don't know anybody who's not watching it. How about you, AP? Yeah, I'm going to watch that. A lot of offense in that game. Um, whoever has the best defense, believe it or not, will win. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah. We know they have offense. We know that. Yes. And every week I give uh, in this, the the you know in the final segment I give uh, my pick of the week for appointment viewing. And AP, I don't know if I ever remember such a clear cut appointment viewing as tonight. I mean, everybody's going to be watching. You just if you have even the mildest interest in football you're watching and then you have you know not that it needed it uh but you know you have the backdrop of the game was scheduled for mexico city then had to be moved to los angeles uh given the condition of the field down there in mexico city uh estadio azteca too many concerts and soccer games i guess and uh you know but you had you know just a lot of backstory here with the Rams being out in Colorado Springs uh, to get used to altitude in Mexico City and as a result of all the fires out there. I just heard yesterday, I loved it, that Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, sent all the families 
of Rams players who had to be evacuated up to live with their husband <laughs> and father in you know at the in Colorado Springs where the Air Force Academy is where they trained you know for the past week week or so so I just thought you know just great stories um, all around it just the tragedies of Thousand Oaks near LA and of course the wildfires touching at, you know right there in LA, practically in LA and causing many Rams players and many others to have to evacuate. Uh, I think it's just going to be uh, a must-see game, period, and probably for the people out there, maybe may, may a bit of a diversion from all the terrible things that have, they're trying to get their, you know, they're trying to deal with out there. Yeah, there's no question it's uh, difficult times in California, and this kind of brings people together, but you, you're wondering you know, what's going to happen down the road with all those fires. And it's, they've been contending with those for decades and yes. century, I guess. And it's still, you just don't know what to do. You, you know, you're trying to come up with other ways to, to operate, but it's very, very hard and difficult. Yeah, they seem to be getting worse. I mean, you know, number one, Malibu was evacuated. There's a name we all recognize. And, you know, and then you have what's going on up north and the campfire and the, just the sheer devastation is, frankly, mind-boggling. They seem to be getting worse. I mean, not this particular rash of fires near L.A., but remember back just a few months ago, they were showing some pictures that I still haven't gotten out of my mind of, like, literally the city of Los Angeles aglow if you will. I'm sure you saw them too. Everybody did. Uh, you know, the most recent fires before these, um, where they were at the doorstep, shall we say. And obviously these are too. So it's, it's something, uh, and speaking of Los Angeles, AP, let me, uh, just wrap up our college football discussion by saying, um, Notre Dame, undefeated Notre Dame, who did a really nice job, showed up big time in Yankee Stadium to handle 12th-ranked Syracuse handily. But AP, they're traveling out to USC, and USC is not having a good year. But boy, when I think Notre Dame, USC, and Los Angeles, I just can't help but think of all the all the times USC seems to win out there, going back to the days of literally Anthony Davis, Marcus Allen, on and on and on. So I think Notre Dame is absolutely going to have their hands full on Saturday. Yeah, this is their bowl game for USC because they had a terrible season and probably be a coaching change, I would suspect. And Notre Dame is fighting to get into that championship. They have to win one more game against their uh, one of their rivals. So, but Notre Dame looked sharp in that game. They put 36 they points on the board and only allowed three. And so that defense is fired up, and, uh, you know, USC has a freshman quarterback who's been playing, and I'm not sure if the other quarterback was a freshman as well, but, you know, they should have the advantage. They just need to win by a point. I mean, that's all they need to do. Exactly, exactly. Uh, That is going to be of interest. If Obviously, Notre Dame wins. They're in the college football playoff. And as we close out, just got an interesting and timely announcement from the NFL that – the NFL and Mexico's president-elect confirmed today that the third of the existing... Uh, there will be an NFL game in Mexico City in 2019. 
period. So, <laughs> since we were talking about that, literally just arrived across my email from the NFL, and that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, the game yeah. last year with the Raiders and the Patriots was awesome, and uh, I think it's great. The game's in Mexico City, but tonight it's in Los Angeles, and I hope everybody enjoys watching. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be outstanding. All right, AP. Well, here we are at the end of the show, and thank you again for calling in your great perspective, and uh, much appreciated. Hey, my pleasure, John. As always, I look forward to next week, and the college football is just rolling right along, and it's been an interesting season thus far, and we still have some games left. Oh, now we're we're into the really fun. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt there. Yeah, we're... This is the fun stuff now. Really fun stuff. I, just sitting here <laughs> talking and looking at the lineup for this weekend is just incredible. And then followed by championship game weekend. It's going to be awesome. And obviously culminating with the rankings on December 2nd. So, AP, have a great week. Enjoy the Iron Bowl. Thank you very much, John. My pleasure. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.